0: murder motherhood and miraculous grace a true story coming up next right here on the parker j cole show hi and welcome to the parker j cole show i am your host the queen parker j thank you so much for joining me Today, I want to say, first of all, happy Mother's Day to you. May the Lord bless you and what you do, whether you are a mother of natural means or you are a mother figure. I want the Lord to bless you in everything that you do. And I hope and pray that your Mother's Day is special and filled with the remembrance of all the sacrifices you have made for your children and those who see you as your children. So happy Mother's Day to you. But what better way to talk about motherhood than to talk about murder and miraculous grace? You may be thinking, those don't go together. Perhaps you don't know what Mother's Day is all about, Parker. But I assure you, by the end of this episode, you're going to understand how they are all interwoven in between. We'll get to that in just a few moments. As always, I want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years. And as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click on that pink follow button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. And so I'm going to bring my guest, co-host, and contributor on today. Deborah. how you doing?
1: I'm doing great, thank you, Parker
0: and It's so good to have you on this show for our listeners out there. Deborah and I connected at Deadwood. We were at a event, and I saw her table across from me two rows over and When we discovered that we have the same interest that are both Christians and we love the Lord, of course we had to connect with each other, and so I now have the opportunity of presenting her wonderful testimony to you that she has correlated into a book called Murder, Motherhood, and Miraculous Grace, A True Story, and we're going to get to it in just a few moments, but before I do that, Deborah, tell us
1: a little bit about yourself. Well, I was born and uh, raised in California, uh, youngest of four daughters, and I uh, lived there till I was about 26. I was kind of a beach kid, and then um, moved to Houston, Texas, and I met my husband there, and his family history was from Wyoming, and he absolutely loved Wyoming, but he was only only as a boy went back and forth to visit there. So we went after we were married to visit some relatives in Wyoming, and I fell in love with it. So we decided this is where we wanted to raise our kids. So we, in the early 80s, we moved here, and we have six children, and we have fostered over 140 children over about 18 years. And this is just where we call home and have been involved with ministry here and moving forward in not only writing, but in also just some ministry projects. And so this is where we are. We are in right now, very snowy Wyoming. Yeah, right now, as we're recording, some of us got
0: hit by that polar vortex. (laughs) So we're sitting up here wondering when the snow is going to melt. We, over here, we had an ice storm. So all the trees, the grass, the cars, the houses were covered in ice. It was actually quite pretty when you're inside watching it, not when you're outside praying that you don't slip and crack your head on this sidewalk there. But you said that you have fostered over 140 children. Tell us about what that experience has done for you.
1: Uh, Well, it was truly an experience. Uh, we were very naive when we started fostering. We just There was an ad on the TV one night. We had only been here probably about six months. And um, they said that in our community, they just really needed foster parents to be willing to foster some of the children in our community. My husband and I looked at each other and said, you know, we can do that. We are kind of of humble means, but we have a lot of love and we could do that. So we began being foster parents many, many years ago. And over that time, we have taken, the youngest was four days old, the oldest was 17, in fact, the 17-year-old, we kept her Her senior year of high school and four more years into college, she was very intelligent, had a lot of grants, so we just kept her on. Uh, She was not in foster care at that point anymore, but we've had girls and boys, and we've had some really challenging kids. So there's our experience in that was wonderful in one sense, challenging in another, and there were some you know detrimental situations as well. Uh, My children were affected by that in positive and negative ways, so we have lots of stories. One thing you mentioned
0: is that you were naive going into this thing called foster parenting. But looking back over it all, do you regret any of it?
1: I don't regret the foster parenting. I would love to have gone back and probably paid a little bit more attention to the needs of my own children. There was times they did voice an opinion. There's other times they did not. And because of that, I think that there's just some emotional things that they were really challenged with. And so I wouldn't, if I could go back, the one thing I would want to do is just be much more aware of my own children's needs and how some of the situations affect them.
0: Now, we're going to talk about this story of murder, motherhood and miraculous grace. And when you go online to view the book, you're going to see there are hundreds of reviews just talking about how impactful your story was. And so we want to give our audience a taste of what happened in this book, but we don't want to give away the full story because I'm going to encourage you, dear listener, to get your copy of Murder, Motherhood, and Miraculous Grace, which is available online wherever books are sold. And our guest today, I forgot to say her full name, is Debra Merke, and that's M-O-E-R-K-E. So if you want to look her up online, you can. And it will also be in the show notes in the description below. Now, Deborah, when you started this journey of telling your story, after all of it had happened, what made you say, I have to share this story with others? Was it because of the press Was it because you were working out own emotions regarding everything?
1: What was the impetus for it? That's such a great question. When I look back, the the Lord just really seemed to slowly begin to put a pressure on me, which lasted almost seven years. And yet I knew that there was not time within that seven-year period that He actually was saying to write this book because I still had to live out some more of it before writing it. But there were two factors, one of which was, Mike, this was a national story and it was not only throughout our country, but it totally impacted our community and our state. And for years after, for a couple of years after that, the story continued on, but the story only stayed at what happened initially when the situation occurred. So I was hearing people in my community repeating all of these distorted stories about what happened. And it was very frustrating to me because I was the only one at that point that was involved with the woman who ended up in prison. And we actually ended up building a relationship. And that's where that grace really came in was the Lord gave me the grace to be able to lead her to the Lord. And I saw this growth in her, this complete change in her over years. Did not happen overnight, but over years So I think the two things that prompted me was that I wanted to share the story where my own community and state could see what happened after the initial situation. And then also because of my own growth with the issue of grace and what God did in my heart and my life and how through me, his grace was shown to this woman. I wanted people to see that. I wanted that issue of grace, even in the most horrendous situations how God will show us that grace and he will give us that grace so that we can show it to others and that that was something that really impacted me that I just was driven to share and it was just became a passion to share with others.
0: You mentioned something I think is important to just simmer on. You said how the press and the national news only focused on what happened but they don't focus on the transformation. And in today's society, there's often that you did something bad, therefore you are canceled. And it shows how there is no redemption in the secular world. There's no redemption. You are forever held to a standard that no longer may exist even for yourself because you've been transformed by your experiences. And I love the comparison of how God says, As far as East is from the West, that's where he'll put our sins, that we don't have to stay stuck in this moment of time and be completely defined by that moment of time. But that doesn't mean that there aren't be consequences for our actions. That doesn't mean there's going to not be some fallout, but we don't have to stay held in that moment. Would you say that's one of the lessons that anyone reading your book murder motherhood and miraculous
1: grace will gain absolutely and I've heard many comments Uh, people have contacted me on my website they've contacted me through email and even through snail mail and I have received numerous comments about that how there was people who just were caught up in their sin and in feeling that there was no forgiveness or redemption or grace for them and yet after they read the book It just sort of walked them through, not only did it walk them through grace, but hopefully I shared and demonstrated what God did in me, how He changed me, how He did a work in me, and how He enlightened me as far as grace, forgiveness, and redemption is. And that's the comment I've heard from many people that have read the book, that it helped walk them through that as well, to a place where they could seek God for forgiveness of their sin and really accept His forgiveness and His love and His redemption. Tell us about Hannah. Hannah is a precious little girl. We received her and her siblings in our home. There were four, so there was five altogether. And we just fell in love with her. We had this family of children for a year, so we got very close to her. She was very fearful and and traumatized, really, by her mom. She was sort of a targeted child in the family. She was part of her problem was she was rather outspoken, even for four years old, and we had her till she was five. But she was sweet. We just loved her. My husband and I even considered really, if we could have, taken guardianship over her. She wanted to stay with us, and we just loved her. We just had a very, she had a very sweet spirit, but also a very strong spirit, and she was very curious about the Lord and how He worked in our lives, and very receptive when I would pray with her for her and minister to her. Tell us about Karen. I felt so bad for Karen in a sense, and I still do. She was just sort of a lost child, I think, in her, within her own family. She was very stubborn. She was very manipulative. Actually one of the most manipulative people I have met. You know, I've seen God work in that as well. She was just caught up in the drug and alcohol and promiscuity and all of that world with wrong people. She never married, but she ended up having eight children. And so she, I believe that she... Part of her having so many children was her way of receiving love and that these children she could nurture, but they would turn around and give her love and what she needed was missing in her heart and her life. She did not know the Lord till we had an opportunity for me to introduce Him to her. And so she saw really no hope in her life other than that which she would create herself.
0: We have a situation here where you as a mother are taking on another mother's child and there are all sorts of emotions that go through that because the government body, whether it's state or federal or city, is telling you, well, these children are not safe with you. You have to go with this person. That's essentially what happens in this, in this scenario. And then the Lord used you in a way to minister to Hannah and to Karen, but it did not always go as planned. And so tell us about when Hannah went missing. Tell us about that.
1: The children were court-ordered back to their home after about a year with us. And unexpectedly, there there was a plan set for them to slowly be worked back home after mom, you know, did a lot of classes and courses and everything she needed to do. And suddenly, I got a call one day that the, the judge just ordered all the children home that day. No warning, no heads up, barely had time to pack. And as I was desperately afraid for Hannah, and Hannah was desperately afraid and it was really difficult so I would talk to the caseworker saying I think this child you know going to be going back to a dangerous situation as a foster parent we have no legal authority and caseworkers can only listen to you so far and they also have to comply with the judge so none of us had a choice the children had to go back over a period of almost a year I kept going to the house of the mom just to bring little gifts or some food to help And I did not see Hannah and I reported that but that was just kind of fell on deaf ears so suddenly after a year I got a call that they needed to pick up all the children and put them back in foster care because mom had done something to break the law and they could not find Hannah and because I had Hannah before they wonder if I might have had any idea or any connections of somebody in some place where you know she might have been with and that was devastating call to because my heart was just sinking I just knew something was wrong.
0: When you look at the cover of this book Dear Listener, you're going to see it's actually quite vibrant, but then there's this ominous feel to the book because it shows a yellow phone and then the words murder, motherhood and miraculous grace. And you see all of that kind of hitting you in the face because you're wondering, "Oh my gosh, what in the world happened?" And We're going to go into some of the details, but not all of them, because I want you to read this story of what Deborah went through as she dealt with this. And it wasn't just on a local level. Like you said, this became national news and you were, in a way, thrown into the spotlight. And what was it like having something so tragic and then having the light bulb of the media upon you? to help bring attention to the story.
1: It was devastating to our family because when we had learned what happened, we were personally uh, devastated. Our family just hugged each other and we just wept. And so we were dealing with it not only personally and wrestling with that, wrestling that with God and just what the actual outcome was. But then suddenly there was a, you know, police asking us questions. There was a detective asking us questions. He was a private detective. There were people even at our church and in the community, and there were many people that didn't know that we had fostered this child before, so they weren't connecting us. And so we would be maybe even at church or at the grocery store or someplace public and overhearing all these people's comments. And so it was this personal anguish that we were going through, and yet we were almost trying to now protect ourselves and our family you know, publicly what could have come and people questioning our kids and this kind of thing. It was really a time of wrestling. And it was one of the first times that I think that there were other Christians who were even critical of us for stepping out and wanting to help in a situation and even to see this mother to visit her. So it was an an interior and an exterior conflict that we were dealing with. And there were times it was just, all I could say is it was just overwhelming. You just sort of wanted to go to bed at night, pull the covers over your head and just sort of make it all stop for a while and take a breather. So it was very challenging.
0: I think of many people who have been put into the spotlight because of something like this or maybe even a scandal. And we have to remember that after the cameras leave, after the social media outrage cease and desist, as it usually does, there are real people involved in these stories And you haven't been experiencing that. And I know at this time when this happened, social media wasn't what it is now, where such a pervasive part of reporting, which, if I can say this lightly, is probably a good thing um, because it probably would have been even more chaotic for you if you had social media then as we do now. One of the things that people have said about the book is it shows God's grace. What was something you learned throughout the entire situation that you didn't know before going
1: into it? To answer that, you know, the title of the book, I've had a number of people say, oh, I, with that title, I, I just could not read that book. And I understand that because it was hard enough living through it and writing it. So I know that the title already is pulling at people's heartstrings here and, and just saying, oh, my gosh, I couldn't read this. But the thing is, is that what I've really learned in doing that is we do not understand God's grace until we face impossible and incredible and devastating things in our life. And that's one thing that led me to write the book as well, is that all of us will experience some devastation in our life to different degrees and for different reasons. And if we want to block ourselves off or protect ourselves from that truth, I think that we also will put up a barrier that we could resist God's grace. And throughout the whole book and that's one thing I just prayed and asked God that he would help people to see and help me see that I'm no, you know, this wonderful Christian woman who just walked through this every step of the way throughout the book. The reader's going to see that I wrestled with God. I really wrestled with him. And in that wrestling and being willing to step forth into the hard things and the hard moments and the hard situations. God just He just became bigger to me and He became more loving to me and He taught me so much about grace. And I don't believe that I would have really understood that or been able to receive that and then turn around and give grace to someone else if I hadn't been, hadn't been able to face those tough things. So I do want to encourage people in the book. I know the title's tough and the beginning of it's tough, but I believe people will see as many of the people that have given reviews the impact that uh, God's grace is incredible. Until we let him in into the hard situations in our life, we will not realize that. We will not recognize
0: it. When you said how you wrestled with God, it brought to mind about Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord and how he wrestled with him all night. And when you understand exactly what Jacob was dealing with, that here he was wrestling with God in the physical sense, knowing that. The Lord could have easily overtaken him, but didn't, letting you know that God is going to wrestle with you. If I can say it that way, Deborah, that he is going to give you the opportunity to put your anger, your frustrations, your tears, your sorrow, he's going to wrestle that with you. And then at the end of the day, guess what he's going to do? He's going to bless you. And too often we think of blessing and a... We think of blessing in a material sense, and we're talking definitely spiritual sense here. So the number of people who have contacted you, I know you're always going to get your detractors, but what has been the overwhelming singular response you've received from readers about your book?
1: I believe the overwhelming single response. There have been a few negatives, which, and I understand, those are mostly from local people who was they they had more the attitude of why, you know, stir up all this old situation will bring hurt. And yet the majority has all been that it's been a blessing. But I think that the one thing is is that the biggest comment is how it has affected individuals in a way that, that they are recognizing now just the sovereignty and the love again of God that by walking through the book, even though there's different comments and people have written it different ways, I think that that's the core message I'm getting from them is how once they were done with this book they were like wow and it wasn't a wow because what I did but it was a wow look what God did look how incredible our God is that we serve and how he handled every situation that came up and in the end as you said there was a blessing I have a little I have a little uh, plaque in one of my rooms and it says we never test the resources of God until we attempt the impossible. And I thought that probably really describes where I've come from uh, going through this story and writing this book.
0: And you can just tell from what Deborah is saying that this book really is a outpouring of her heart, of her experiences. But do know that just because it was her experience that you can't be blessed by it. You certainly can. If anything, it'll let you know that God's grace is wonderful that it covers a multitude of sins and when you have lived through it guess what you could say Lord thank you for everything you have done for me now what are some of the other projects that you're working on you alluded to it earlier in our broadcast and I love for our listeners to know more about that
1: well I am also working on a second book and which would be more of, a, again an adult book and, and memoir but I also am working on three children's books that I wrote for my children when they were very little they're all adults today and so I'm working on those three and I'm excited about that because my publisher is very interested in the three but the big project right now is called the McKinsey home and there's a, we lost our five-year-old little granddaughter to cancer a few years ago her name is McKinsey and when we were in that town which is a few hours from me I uh, passed this huge historical old elementary school, big brick school. It was beautiful and vacant, and the Lord just captured my heart with this building. I couldn't understand why. So over a whole period of about a year going back to the, the gravesite to visit my little granddaughter's site, I would pass that building, and I kept asking the Lord, why are you drawing me to this vacant old building? And he finally laid it on my heart. This is to be a transitional home for single moms and their children. And that's where my heart's been at, especially after being a foster parent for 18 years and seeing how many of the children that we have fostered came from homes of single moms who just were struggling and made ro- more wrong decisions in their life uh, because they did not have support. So I have, in the last year now, have developed a nonprofit, a 501c3. We have a board of 16. We have our website up. It's called the org, And we have our Facebook page up the McKenzie Home WYO on Facebook. And we are having our first fundraising banquet uh, coming up in March 23rd. So I am really excited about all of that. And we it, the project's about an $18 to $20 million project. We have nothing like this in Wyoming. And we are going to be seeking big donors throughout the state to accomplish this. So we're hoping to have the first phase of it done and a ribbon cutting by the end of 2024. How exciting is that, Deborah? You
0: are really making moves. And I hope and pray that in some way PJC Media can be a help to you, even if we just give a small donation to just help out with what you're doing. We would love to in some small way be a part of that. So I'm excited for you, especially with this calling that God has laid on your heart. And you sometimes wonder why me? And then of course someone will tell you, why not you? So I understand that sentiment. But Deborah, thank you so much for being willing to come onto the show today, sharing your story. Some people may think this isn't the type of Mother's Day show I want to hear, PJ. What are you doing? But this is what motherhood is. It's not an easy road. It is riddled with rocks and valleys, mountains and hills, uncertainties, joys, blessings, happiness, sorrow, pain. All of that is motherhood, wouldn't you agree, Deborah? And particularly for you, since you were in the place of motherhood as a foster mom, you understand that probably more than most of us. So I am so thankful that you took time out to be with us today.:
1: I appreciate you so much, Parker, and I just hope that this message will really bless your listeners. and I hope that for those who read the book, that they will be incredibly blessed after they're done reading it. Thank you.
0: And we were talking today to Deborah Murky. She is the author of the book, Murder, Motherhood, and Miraculous Grace. By the time you finish this book, you're going to be in tears. As many readers have said, you're going to cry and you're going to be overwhelmed by God's grace. How can it survive in a situation where you think grace can't abound? But it does. And the good book tells us that it does. Go ahead and pick up your copy today online wherever books are sold. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers. May God bless you and bless you real good. Have a wonderful Mother's Day.